one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Chinchilla Picking Podcast. It is July 16th, 2023, and we want everybody, uh, as as usual, I'm. we want everybody to be entertained by this podcast, uh, educated and uplifted. I did that completely wrong, but uh, Dave's not here, so <laughs> I got it close, right? I got it close. I'm here with Nick today. Dave is flying back from, I don't know, somewhere. Where's he at? Dave is down enjoying some sunny uh, experiences in the beaches of Miami, Florida. So he's on a flight, I believe, back today. That's awesome. Yeah. So a little bit of work, a lot of fun for him. That's uh, that's awesome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's it's Sunday. Got some house projects done. Um uh, you know, you guys just reached out yesterday and said, Hey, you interested? And I said, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to. So thank you so much for filling in. We uh we appreciate it. Um so uh just we'll just jump right into it. Uh rules. Hold rules, on, rules. hold on, hold on. There you go. Yeah. I was gonna say don't don't forget the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh rules, rules, rules. Uh so we got together. Actually, it's probably about two or three minutes before the show this time, and we just tell her, you know, we tell each other what we're gonna talk about. We don't actually talk about it before the show. We only talk about it on the show, so you get the live discussion from us. Uh, Nick, who do you, do you want to go first? I can go first. I, I don't care. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to give you the floor, um, and, and let's go from there. Okay, gotcha. So I was originally going to entitle this episode uh, 1,000 Reasons Why Dave is Wrong, because he's not on the show today. Uh he is uh, 60% bull, 40% bear, kind of 60% thinks we're going to go, uh, you know, and have a soft landing and that everything will be uh, rosy, 40% potential um, recession here. I'm more like 75, 80% recession, uh, 20% possible um, soft landing. Nick, where, where would you put yourself on this uh, on the scale? I'm probably in the same pot as you, Brandon, um, probably that 75, 80 category. I mean, looking at where the market's gone and just what's what you kind of see today. Um, I know there's there's a lot of optimism in the fact that the market hasn't had that recession hit yet officially. Um, and I feel like they're just kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit on that one. But, you know, you, you look at what's going on and, and there's tightening. Um kind of going on in the market and you definitely hear more and more stories today than you did a year ago about how people are struggling to make ends meet, you know, getting part-time jobs, second jobs. Um, so I think you, you see that. And, and one thing I want to keep an eye on is how many people you start seeing become Uber drivers again or Lyft drivers yeah. now that they need that secondary income. Right. Right. And the real problem for them is going to be when people don't have that, um, that extra cash to, to pay for an Uber. So that's right. Uh, uh, but anyway, see, uh, the fact of the matter is, is, is we're kind of in this in this middle ground right now where inflation has calmed down. We we have had the well, I shouldn't say it's calmed down, but the growth of inflation has calmed down. And, and good clarification there, too, by the way, because a lot of people are saying inflation is decreasing. And that's not true. The rate of the increase of inflation is slowing down. And, and that's a very good point to make out there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's still going up, of course. Um, but as we're in this middle ground and, and possibly, you know, teetering on recession, we're also in this um, Goldilocks state at this moment in time where people are seeing lower inflation rates um, 
in in the stock market hasn't necessarily you know declined. We've had a pretty good rally in the Nasdaq since January. Um, unemployment still holding up fairly well at this moment in time. So for the short term, things are looking pretty good. But you know you still have to kind of go back in history and, and see we've never raised rates you know interest rates um, this far this this fast and and escaped a recession. It's never happened. And there's so many different things that we talked about on the last show and that I've talked about on, on previous shows, too, where you look at it and you say, OK, we we've actually never experienced this kind of situation and never had depressions on the other end of it. Uh, not just. Well, but and another point to that, too, Brandon, I think the thing that 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 predated kind of what's going on today in the market and, and, and I, I can't believe I'm saying these words again. I never thought I would. But COVID, um, you look at what happened with people who are working from home, they weren't spending much on vacation, they weren't spending money traveling, um, they weren't necessarily leaving their house all that much, so your gas, you know, you weren't spending a bunch of money on. Um, you tie all that together, and what you see is people had slush funds of cash just able to spend. And I think as those are drying up, to your point, that's where we're going to see a lot more of those struggles, a lot more of those inability to make ends meet. And that's when we'll see the the market get a little bit more, uh, a little tighter, a little bit more difficult, and potentially take us down that that avenue of uh, of recession. Right, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm surprised it's not all already all gone. But um, there's a JP Morgan analyst uh, last week that mentioned that uh, it's it's estimated that all of that COVID cash is going to be completely gone by o- October of this year. Really, I hadn't heard that one. October of this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think. It's not before that, but one one thing that you and Dave have actually mentioned on the show that I think is very important to call out as well is that they haven't reinstituted yet student loans and having to pay those. And so some of the debt that people would normally have to pay has been getting kicked off and kicked down the road. Um, so I think that's helping in some aspects. And one thing that I'm keeping an eye on and, um, you know, just kind of, if you go on Google, you can kind of, kind of find an avenue or where kind of, where you prefer to find the information, but looking at home uh, foreclosures and where are there are people that are foreclosing on homes or, or, you know, I know homes are going up and so are uh, vehicles foreclosing on vehicles and foreclosing on homes, which again, to your point, this is a sign of recession. No one's really waving that flag yet, but I think part of it is a marketing ploy of not wanting to admit it to make everyone panic, especially right. with the banking industry, the, the banking problems that we've seen recently as well. Right. So some banks have recently reported earnings and they were a little bit better than expected. But, um, you know, not many people talk about the fact that the Federal Reserve actually increased their balance sheet by three hundred billion dollars back in March to provide liquidity when uh, some of those banks were failing. And now they're starting to reduce that balance sheet again. And we're going to have another interest rate hike probably. um, I don't know. Is that going to be this month or next month? It's probably the next uh, rate hike cycle. They'll raise. I believe it's next month. I believe it's in August. I think it is too. Um, But uh, you know, and then every time you, but right before you go into recession, you always have the it's different this time mentality. And I don't want to pick on this guy, but Scott Ladner, chief investment officer at Horizon Investments, he says this is increasingly looking like an economy that cannot be knocked off its footing. Uh, We might have already seen peak interest rates. This is fuel for multiples to expand, and that might be you know the truth for like the next two or three months. But then what happens as that federal reserve 
balance sheet goes back to what it was prior to March when they increased it by three hundred billion dollars. Um, Actually, and, real quick, Brandon, it's uh in ten days is when they meet. Okay, it isn't in okay, so it, it's it, it's this month, and then the one after that is September. Right. Okay. So you're you, we're having that like the, it's different this time mentality, and that's fueling a stock market rally. And I don't really think that's a good thing. I I really don't. I don't think that it's it's smart investing wise. Um, you might be able to trade and make some day trades based off of it, but I wouldn't make any long term investments in this market right now at all. Um, I'm not selling anything that I own because everything I own that I'm looking you know looking long term ten to twenty years out. That's kind of how I invest, but um. I'm I'm not looking to buy anything at this moment in time at all. Well, and I, I'm a little bit in, in somewhat of a different perspective. I, I'd say I am buying some things, but I'm buying things that I, and I know Dave's talked about this on the show before, and I think you have as well. I'm looking like right now, I've actually been consistently investing still in Cooler, which I know Dave loves to promote and uh, he got me on that track. But when I've been looking at what they're doing and, and I get confidence in the fact of their uh, quarterly reports where... They're within, I think the last one was like five cents of profitability uh, or five cents per share, which is a significant amount of money. But you look at the contracts that they're getting left and right, it gives me confidence that they're going the right direction. And, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year, they're going to, there's going to be a pop coming for them. Um, so I, I would say if you are looking to invest, be very cautious. Um, and be make sure you have confidence in the company long term. If you're in, and be looking long term, unless something crazy happens where you can pull a Dave and day trade for something crazy. Right. Yeah. So know what you're buying for sure. Cooler's a little bit too high beta for me. I'm not bearish on it. I'm bullish on it. It's just that for me, I know my psychology, and and those kind of swings and prices, like I don't have the iron stomach for it. So. You you do. I mean, you you have to sit there. There are times that I'm just like I I, I told myself in the very beginning because I've done it in the past too where I sold too early um, and had I just wrote it out would have been fine. And it's something I learned very, very early on in trading and you have to. Um, but if, if you're doing a long-term trade and you're especially, I think a very key thing to learn about or think about when you're, when you're trading is you haven't lost anything unless two things happen. You sell the stock or the company goes out of business. So if you're down, you don't necessarily have to panic. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you even get a buyout opportunity that you know mm -hmm. you get some of that money back. Um, but uh, all right, this is going to be a terrible transition, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Disney actually may be planning on selling some of its traditional television assets. This was actually announced on CNBC by Bob Iger, and I'm sticking true to what I said last week. I'm not watching CNBC. I caught this on an article, and I caught a clip of it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on CNBC are, but I, I think it's dangerous for a lot of investors to watch these uh, people on television um, and, and, and sort of the talking head stock, stock market and you know, analysis like uh, Jim Cramer gives. It's always very emotion driven, very ratings driven. Um, and I don't think it's very good for investing, but they did do a good interview with Bob Iger. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I, Iger appearing on uh, CNBC says that um, he's opening the door to selling the company's linear TV assets. And what that is, is the, the channels, the, uh, and they own FX, they own um, national geographic, ABC networks. Um, 
ESPN, although ESPN's kind of its own bucket here, they're not wanting to sell it. They want a investment partner in it. So what they'll do is they'll sell some equity of ESPN to somebody who's willing to step up and provide some capital to push ESPN forward and to help that grow. Yeah, I think what was kind of something to look at there, I think the question that I ask is, first of all, you look at their stock price, they've been struggling here for, uh looks like the last four or five months, um, been pretty much on a downswing. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing to look at again is they're trying to sell all these assets potentially. Really, I mean, actually, it's been confirmed by Bob Iger they want to sell them. I guess, why do they need the cash? What are they doing? And is it related to how much they're investing in, in, in some of their movies that they've been making that have turned out to be flops, where they put millions of dollars into a, a you know a, a movie and people decided they didn't want to go see it? Are we seeing it where their their money has gotten so tight? Um, and I think I read somewhere too that their um, mar their uh, parks were not full this summer, and so I'm wondering again when you're looking at Disney. Are they struggling? So they are. And part of that is because of mismanagement from the previous CEO uh, before Bob Iger took back uh, over. And and it's kind of the same situation that General Electric had uh, before Larry Culp came back. Um, heavy mismanagement, misfocus. Uh, they were taking all of the park's profitability and then pumping it into streaming um, I think that uh, Bob Iger sees these linear TV networks such as FX, National Geographic, and, and ABC as distractions. Uh, he said that these may not be part of their core anymore or what's you know important to Disney. Mm -hmm. So I think he's trying to refocus. He's already restructured the company once. Um, he's already cut billions of dollars in costs. Um, and, they've, they've, and this is what he said. We've gotten a, done, a lot done very quickly quickly significant cost reduction significant realignment for the company and dealing with some of the biggest challenges head on i think that he's actually doing the right things uh now um and, and you mentioned the cinema flops that that has been a thing i think covid was part of that as well but i just don't think that they were very focused on the things that makes disney disney uh, they did reorganize into three segments there's disney entertainment which includes most of its streaming and media operations they have a completely different ESPN division and a parks and experience and product unit. This reorganization actually staved off some activist investment uh, investors who were trying to take over. Um, but uh, so he, he's tasked right now with basically with bringing Disney's streaming business to profitability and to finding his next successor. His uh, contract was just extended to 2026 as well. I saw that on his contract. I think, but again, I think the the question here because wasn't Iger the one that made the original push for going to uh, like resorts to vacate, you know, the uh, the parks and whatnot? It wasn't he the initial one to really kind of make that big push? Yes. Yeah, parks are kind of his baby. So I'm wondering if he's trying to to again push that back towards the parks. But I think the question becomes again. I I mean, looking at Disney. It's it's dead here during the summer, so you know you're trying to get cash in for by selling these assets potentially. Um, my thought is something along the lines of, of you know making something with the resort, something new to bring people back to uh, to the parks. Um, 
But I think the other piece to consider there is just the cost of going there. I'm wondering, you know, looking at summers, this is the time where really Disney's parks should be filled. And there's an article here from CNN saying that they believe, you know, the slowness is because of uh, just Florida's economy slowing down, which is not what I've, you know, heard from people who have been down there. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at that. And at the same time, it's, it's the cost of these parks. I mean, to get in is insane. Yeah. And then not only getting in, but then a place to stay. If you're going, you're going for four days um, plus travel. And then, you know, of course, if you're going with kids, they want to buy stuff there, which that's at least, you know, you know, $1,500 a pop. I mean, you take what could be, I mean, back in our day, when we were probably, when we went to Disney World as kids, was likely, let's say, a, I want to say like a $5,000 trip. And we were a family of five. Oh, yeah. And that was expensive May, back then, too. Maybe 10000 to to say on the high side is now turning into like a $25,000 trip just to go to a park for five days. Yep. And yeah. I think if Disney wants to make a change somewhere, it's got to be in that area, especially if, if you want to bring people to the parks and that's being a huge cost where you're, you're, you're getting eaten up for the operation for the parks and you're not getting people in there. You're making movies. Those aren't getting back the money they're supposed to. They just sold a movie. Um, what was that? The Is it The Sound of Freedom? I think is what it's called. That's so much uh, they, right. I don't. I'm not 100 on that one. Yeah, I think they just sold the movie to. I can't remember who they sold it to, uh, but they just sold this movie. They did their initial, which was it was a very low investment movie. They sold this movie, and I believe already last I had heard, I think it was on Thursday, it made 40 million dollars already, and and it was like under 20 million dollars to make this movie. Um, so. <laughs> You had something that was apparently something that was going to be good, and they sold it. So it just seems like Disney's making a lot of all the wrong moves. I think they were. I think Iger's going to put them back on track, though. So I, I have a lot of faith in him, which is why I do own the stock right now. It's been a it's been a loser on my end, but then I'm kind of looking back at General Electric when um, Larry Culp took over, and that's been like one of the most fun stocks I've had to own. Um, ever since so i'm hoping we get that turnaround <laughs> uh, i mean I, it's definitely one that's on my board that i consistently watch um but i think there's going to have to be some big changes at disney here over the next you know couple of years um to make a significant impact and, and really in the short term we'll be interested to see when they sell these assets what they do with the, the you know the, the um discretionary spending from it yeah. um and and now kind of determine, I think, the future of Disney. Yeah, I, I think that they'll probably use some of that money, too, to buy the rest of Hulu. They currently own 66% of it. Their goal is to own all of it by 2024, and they're going to have to buy out Comcast's stake. Comcast owns the rest of it right now. Mm -hmm. And then they'll bundle Hulu and Disney Plus and that offering. They're actually saying that offering is going to be available by the end of the calendar year. Uh, so I think, I think that'll probably be a pretty good thing for them. And the combination of those apps is designed to obviously help the streaming business come, uh, to profitability said Iger. Uh, one thing that interests me and I I've been looking at their balance sheet since I've owned the stock, I think about a year ago. And every time I look at it, I see in this other column, just sitting by itself, uh, draft Kings as an investment. And I've been kind of curious about that. So I decided to look into this yesterday. Um, they own 6% of DraftKings. 
And in April 2015, it was reported that they were going to invest $250 million into DraftKings. In exchange, uh, DraftKings would spend $500 million on advertisements with ESPN. The deal fell through. It, it actually didn't happen. And uh, Disney has been interestingly strategically, I think, against gambling. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on trying to keep sports betting out of Florida and trying to keep casinos out of Florida. Um, they see Florida and they, they say that it should be known as a family destination, um, including its resorts and beaches. Uh, they are against casino expansion, um, and I think that that's probably because they're protecting their business interests. Any large casinos in Florida would take away from Disney down there, would compete directly with them. So they've spent a decent amount of money on keeping gambling out of Florida. Now, to be fair, um, to be uh, to be fair to them, they've been pretty consistent with this. They're one of the only cruise lines in the United States that does not have casinos on board, uh, no slot machines or anything like that. Um, but they, like I said, they, this, it seems like it's a bit of a hypocritical, hypocritical investment. Now what happened was, and the way they got a hold of this in 2017, Disney announced plans to purchase 21st century Fox. This deal was completed in March of 2019. After Disney's deal, the $250 million deal with DraftKings fell through, Fox stepped in and offered, I think it was $150 million. It was $160 million in DraftKings instead. So then when Disney went and purchased 21st Century Fox, that stake of DraftKings came with it. And now it's just kind of sitting in this other column in their balance sheet. And, and I just don't think they really know what to do with it. Well, and I think I'm kind of surprised on that because I think if you actually brought casinos, like probably in the park in some aspect, you would actually increase the people who would go there because, again, you know, I grant that would just increase the expenses, but other than just families, you would have people who have an interest in going. Um, like you right now, you have Epcot, right? right. Um, predominantly an adult area. Mm hmm. From my understanding, I actually have not been to Epcot, but my understanding is it's it's pretty much an adult uh, area. But when you're looking at that and you say, okay, what else could you improve from that area? I almost think you'd want to bring gambling because then you'd have people more people who'd be interested in going who just they like to gamble. I, I'm one of those people. I like to you know go to the casino every now and then. I like to. I was very excited when Ohio passed um, sports gambling. Um, so, I mean, the fact that they don't want to, I mean, I, I would be somebody who would be more inclined to go if they had a casino. One of the, I just actually had a honeymoon here, um, almost to, um, almost, uh, what was it? Almost a year ago now. Um, and what's crazy is the one thing I wish that they had at the resort was a casino Yeah. and they didn't have one. And now I'm looking at the next time that I go somewhere, will they have a casino? So I I, th I almost think, you know, again, that could be an, actually a benefit. So I'm kind of surprised by that. But to your point on, on what to do with it, I think you're right. They just don't have to do with that in the balance sheet. Um, and, and really, I would think they just want to offset that and get, get, you know, get it off their, their books. So they, again, that would be another area if you wanted to bring income in. Right. Um, maybe not a huge amount for them right now, but it's something. And they could do it because they've owned it, you know, they've owned it since prior to the IPO, technically since Fox had it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So they've made money on it now, but it is a high beta. It's another high beta stock at this point in time. So, you know, yeah, right. <clears throat> excuse me. Year over year at this point in time, I think they've made like $79 million on it. Uh, but then if you looked at the 2022 balance sheet, that it was like a loss of like 500 million or something, you know, so like it's been, that's been a, a, a gyrating stock. I, I don't think it's something that really belongs on their balance sheet. And I'm surprised that it's still there. Uh, not that I'm against investing in, in DraftKings. I'm just against in, you know, Disney having it. And I'm still curious as to why it, it's, you know, there other than maybe there'll be more revenue coming to ESPN from it. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. So Omnicom is a stock that is reporting earnings this coming week. And I'm not telling people to buy it. If if I'm going to buy anything in the advertising, marketing, and corporate communications uh, area, I'm looking more at Google or Meta or even Microsoft with AI, things like that. But uh, they are one of the world's largest advertising, marketing, and corporate communications companies. And so this is primarily why I'm looking at their earnings this this week, and I want to listen to their earnings call and see what they say. Now, I will say their Q2, Q2 earnings are expected to rise 7% from a year ago at $1.80 per share. Sales are forecasted to be up 1% at $3.62 billion. Uh, Omnicom has also surprised uh, or surpassed earnings expectations for an astonishing 29 consecutive quarters dating back to april 2016 so pretty good record there uh but i want to listen to it primarily because i want to see what their outlook for the rest of this year is yeah i mean i'm not too familiar with omnicom um what what areas are they uh connected to for for marketing so they've got a pretty diversified group. The largest marketing um, industry that they work with is pharmaceuticals, uh, but they've also got um, retail. They've got all they've got all different kinds. Uh, literally everything you can think of that you would advertise for, they've got um, that they take care of. So I, I think um, ad spend is a good uh, indicator as to where. CEOs think the economy is going to go. And so I would be, de I'm definitely interested in finding out what their uh, forecast for ad spending is. What's your take on that? Do you think that, that they're spending more? The market's doing worse? Uh, there's been a significant pullback in, in ad spending for the past six months because everybody's afraid of the coming recession. I think 80% of uh, fact set CEOs that were surveyed um, said that there's going to be a recession. So there's been a significant pullback on that. That weighed on Meta stock for a while. It's uh, still weighing on Alphabet stock on Google. Um, but once again, I think that if you're going to buy any, you know, advertising stock, you, you want to buy the companies that everybody's spending money to advertise with. All the advertisers are spending money with Meta, Google, and, and Microsoft's going to be part of that game with uh, OpenAI. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I pulled them up here and find a little bit more about them. But yeah, I mean, they're. I think to your point, I agree with you that you know it, once you see marketing going down, it's concern from people in relation to uh, companies not seeing people spend money. And so I think from that standpoint, what they're trying to do is 
pull that money back and reallocate it in a way that when people do have money, they have something that'll bring them back in. Right. Um, so just reallocating kind of your financial resources in a way that's, that's beneficial and, and we'll kind of see how that pans out. You know, I, I, you see some that are very successful, you see some that flop. So, uh, you know, to your point, I think it'd be interesting to kind of keep an eye on Omnicom, um, just to kind of even see like, okay, if that's going to happen, maybe it's not a buy now, but it might be something in six months, eight months, a year to kind of keep a, you know, an eye on, uh, right. so when the what you can buy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I did, I pulled up here, here's the industries they're in pharmaceuticals and healthcare that represents uh, 16% of the revenue, uh, food and beverages, 16%. Those are the top two. Then you have auto, uh, technology, consumer products, financial services, travel and entertainment, and then retail, telecommunications, and then a bunch of others after that that are more, you know, under 5% of revenue and not don't mean as much. But it looks like it's pharmaceuticals, uh, food and beverage, and auto that are the top three there. Yeah, they're, and they're, what's crazy is that the highest stock price they've had ever. Um, even like over the last five years, I mean, it's not crazy above. It's Their stock price right now is $96.29, um, whereas five years ago, it's like just just around 70. So you're at $26 above where you were five years ago. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do. So they actually seem like they're on the rise right now a little bit. Yeah. And in the, in the price to book is, is remained relatively flat over the past five years as well. Um, right. Actually, it was price to sales. Sorry. Price to sales running around uh, 1.12%. But that means that they're just growing their business. So their sales are increasing as the price of the stock increases as well. And valuations are stay, staying relatively in line, so that's not a bad mm. thing. No, that's that's good. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> what you got? Let's. All right. Um, so one thing that I think that that's interesting to kind of bring to the floor, um, something to really keep an eye on. Um, just kind of heard, I believe it was last week that they kind of stepped away. Was Teamsters and UPS uh, are currently working on a uh, deal for a pay raise is basically a new contract uh, for UPS drivers. Um, so right now they're they're on a break that I haven't heard anything on when they're actually going to come back together uh, to kind of meet here to, to work out this deal. Um, I know the deadline, the deadline um, is actually coming up here on July 31st, uh, which covers about 340,000 UPS workers. Um, so you're, you're kind of in a deadline here of about 15 days to come together and, and come to an agreement. If not, what's interesting is is that you'll have all three hundred forty thousand UPS workers, uh, drivers, you know, people that are working within the uh, the warehouse that are helping move product products or um, items across the country that people are trying to ship. Will pretty much ground to a halt. Um, and I think this is just a really interesting development. Again, kind of with the discussion that we were having earlier on recession. Um, if this does happen where UPS comes to a strike, do we see this having a, an even bigger impact on the economy with businesses not being able to sell or you know be able to move their product? And on top of that, where do they move? Do, do they go to FedEx as another source of, of moving their product? What do, what do you think, Brandon? I think FedEx would be probably where they would go to. I think that UPS and FedEx, they move so many small parcels for this economy that... Uh, a strike would have a big impact on it, especially the beverage industry. I mean, I, I used to be um, 
an assistant store manager for Dick's Sporting Goods, and that's where most of the you know the ghost energy drinks and stuff like that came from were small parcels. I think they were from FedEx, not UPS, but um, that was all you know small parcel uh, packaging. So uh, it would it would have a huge impact on the economy. They they move a large amount of of the world's uh, um, goods. A very large amount. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I saw it a, a couple months ago, and it was it was staggering how much UPS does as far as the economy goes. Uh, they let's see here in 2022. From what I'm seeing, they delivered an average of 24.3 million packages a day. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're if you're taking that over the full year, it's coming into 6.2 billion packages that are moved over the year. So if they go on the strike, uh, you know, and let's say it lasts for let's say a month uh, you're looking at, which would be crazy to me. Um, so I don't know if, if my math is right, but uh, let's see here. I believe it was 729 million packages uh, would actually be not being shipped or at least finding another source. So my thought is there, you know, kind of, we were mentioned there, Brandon, it, it may be worth giving a look, you know, as FedEx, as we get closer to decision time here with, with UPS striking, um, Maybe something to, to keep a little bit of an eye on, but also um, to keep an eye on uh, for people who like to put puts, UPS might be one to keep an eye on there if they if they go on strike. So that's two kind of things that, that kind of come off of that one. And then on the flip side, I might actually get a chance to buy UPS finally. And, well, you know, the fun part is you do the put and it goes down and uh, and it hits that time frame and then you buy at the bottom and try to write it back up twofold. I mean, <laughs> if right. you can hit both, I give you all what do, what do you guys call it? Diamond hands? I think is the term. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be diamond hands right there. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. I think uh, take the take the winnings of your put and write it back up the ladder. <laughs> I mean, I've been wanting to buy UPS for a while. It's just been too highly valued for my taste. And um I mm-hmm. think they've been the leader. They've been a better run company altogether than FedEx, I think. Um so, you know, the, the strike would obviously be temporary. It's not, you know, going to be something that lasts forever. Uh, mm. I kind of the same thing with the, the actor's strike in Hollywood right now that's been weighing down on Disney for the past week, too. Hold on. Actors and writers. Actors and writers. Yeah, that's a, but they're never they're not going to just say, oh, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. We're just going to go home and not make millions of dollars a year. Yeah, I'll be kind of curious where they go from that one. Uh, I mean, you look at it and you say, okay, you know, you have this this strike, and and the reasoning is that they're saying is that we've heard from some people is you know the cost of sending their kids to school, and it's like okay, but not working is going to help you for that, depending on how long you drag this out for. Hey, you guys make your decisions. I mean, you're making a, a fair amount of money as an actor typically, but supposedly this is also to be in conjunction with writers. So the hope is that I've heard twofold on it is that they're the actors are taking the strike so that they can actually get the writers back in the, the door. Um, so this is the actor standing with the writers as well to try to help them win their strike over. I'm like, interesting. This, this will be interesting. Who knows? Two years from now, I might be uh, starring in the next uh, Hollywood action movie. I'll be a scab for that. I'll are you going to be the, the, are you the, the new Tom Cruise? Uh, yeah, I'll cross the picket line as Leo Leonardo DiCaprio screams at me and threatens my life. <laughs> oh man, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun one. <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing that I had that I, I kind of want to look at. So 
looking at the airlines, both of mine actually kind of go hand in hand, um, specifically at United. Now, personally, I'm not someone who is uh, at this juncture bought into United. I, I you know, I'm a Delta guy. Uh, Brandon, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, you're a Delta guy as well. Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, but United just reached a, an agreement with their pilots, um, which is kind of a huge thing for the company, especially not running into a situation that we're, we're seeing here, obviously, with UPS, uh, where a potential strike rise is coming. But you've got a company here. They're, they're hitting a huge raise for the pilots, which is great. The, the question is, is what pilots they might be able to bring in off of this. But on top of that is, if, you know, you, you have something that they could have shut down. It's a whole new thing. Um, it's it, It'd be interesting. Again, I'm, I'm not saying necessarily by United. It'll be interesting to see how that happens for them, um, especially, and I'm not sure when Delta and American would be coming up for their pilots, but, you know, them coming to an agreement so easily, um, it'll be interesting to see where this pans out for them going here forward. I agree. And yeah, I, I, United Airlines to me has been kind of right behind Delta. As far as uh, quality carriers go, quality airlines, um, mm-hmm. Delta and United Airlines have been my top two for sure. It, it's kind of a hard industry to get into, though, just only because of how competitive it is. But uh, the leaders, Delta and, and United, I think. Well, it's fun with it, too, because you think about it, you've got you really have three top airlines. You really have Delta, which is your top airline, and then you have United and uh, you know, American, or at least kind of that's my perspective is you have those two. And then you kind of have like Southwest in its own thing, kind of below American United. And then you have all of the, you know, um, I like to call them nickel and dime airlines that will hit you $5 here for a bag, $10 here for that $5 here for, you know, headphones, $10 for, you know, fill in the blank. Basically they're hitting you left and right. Personally, I avoid those with, 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 all do passion to stay or and not even passion, but staying away from them any way I can. <laughs> um, but you know, with with United here being basically that second tier right below Delta, um, I'll be interested to see because the the contract was for a forty percent raise for pilots, so massive raise for the next four years. Um, which is huge when you kind of consider that for the number of pilots and whatnot. But with Delta and American, again, I'm not sure when theirs are coming up. Uh, let's see here. Actually just reading something on it now. Um, I guess they, they actually agreed to a comment contract not too long from now, but Without them having this, you know, business is running as usual. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that pans out. I have, actually, one is American uh, doing their contract. I'll be interested to see kind of if that would have any, you know, again, somewhere where they can build, you know, pool uh, market share. So, um, oh, it looks like they might have also gotten to one too. So it looks like all three actually have. Big thing that I think is out of this though. Um, you know, businesses won't be the business won't be interrupted, so it'd be a good thing to kind of keep an eye on um 
here as, as we kind of work through it. And maybe again, you know, people are starting to fly again. So it might bring in some new pilots. It might allow them to open up some new lanes um, and really kind of expand options, really. I mean, a, a lot of the airlines that have been having prob- problems that I've seen is, and I think you you saw this too here, really last year over the, the winter where airlines were shutting down available flight options because they didn't have enough pilots. Right. And so this might bring in some new pilots and give us the opportunity to kind of bring new options to the table, bring in new revenue with this obviously additional cost, but bring in some new revenue, bring in new pilots and kind of raise the airlines back up here post COVID. Right. So, but those, those are the two things that I had. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm still thinking about this though. I want to be uh, on fast and furious number. I don't know. What is it? 57 or something that they're on right now. And I, oh, you're going to be 11 fast and furious 11. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do it. I mean, I may be slow and fat and a heavy smoker, but you know, Seven dollars and thirty-two cents. I'll do it. I mean, I could see you being Hobbs. Okay, <laughs> you could step in for the Rock. I'll do it. I could do it. Yeah, little uh, CGI or whatever, just to make my muscles look bigger. Oh, I mean, sim- similar compositions. You know, I-, I could see you pulling it off. You might have to shave your head though. Yeah, edit it for when I'm breathing heavy and I have to stop and like pass out from running. Is that where you find out like had to run five feet? but it looks like you ran five miles. Yes. <laughs> it's heavy <laughs> editing. It's just on a loop. <laughs> I'm just running on the loop. <laughs> That's what a lot of it is. That's a lot of Hollywood right there. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I think the final thoughts here again, uh, just kind of going back in there to your point is, you know, with what we talked about earlier, keep an eye on the market right now. Um, it might be hard to find options, but if you are, be cautious, be careful, um, and make sure that if you are buying a stock, it is something that you have confidence in, um, especially if you're looking for you know, a five-year uh, or even a full-year uh, kind of stock. So if you're looking long-term, be confident and look for something that's solid. Yeah, I agree. And I said something earlier this episode about uh... – not recommending buying any stocks, but if you do find something that's undervalued and that you've been wanting to buy for a long time, if it is something that you have a long-term investment horizon on, go ahead and do it. Who cares what the macro position is uh, at this moment in time? Micro is the most important thing. What's actually happening with the companies that you're looking at is the most important thing. Me and Nick might be wrong about the next recession. Who knows? You don't want to miss out on an opportunity. I don't want to preach FOMO or anything like that. But I also don't want you to miss out on something that could, you know, 10 to 20 years from now be something that's that's uh, reaping you a lot of uh, good rewards. So we can't let Dave be right after this whole thing on a soft landing. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to single handedly crash the economy myself somehow. <laughs> that's that's the next movie. There you go. Yeah, that's the movie you'll be in. That's it. The big short number two is Brandon. <laughs> I don't have to run. For that movie. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just a, you know, fat guy sitting behind his computer in a, uh, in a study. Hit send. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank thank you so much for um for filling in here. Uh, Dave will be back next week, and uh, I don't know. He says something at the end of these shows about wanting everybody to make money. Whatever, make money or, or don't. No, it's it's uh, he wants everyone to learn. Well, he, he wants everyone to make money. He wants to have a uh, what? What's your? I'm I'm, I'm failing on it again, Brandon. What's the? Uh, have fun. All that matters <sighs> Educa- is that, educational, uplifting. And he wants everyone to make money. All that matters is that you tried your hardest. Right? Yeah. But if you didn't make money, that's because you're not listening to the show. So, Well, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. Exactly. All right. Um, thank you so much for filling in again. We'll see everybody next week. <laughs>